Hello and welcome back to Rocket Pod. On today's show, we're joined by Brett Sanders. Brett is the co-founder of the Natural Deodorant Company. He started off as a fitness instructor and then on to being a qualified PT. And this inspired him to embark on his entrepreneurial journey. And he's got some great insights from his own experience in building an international consumer brand. It's great to have you on the show, Brett. Uh, welcome. Delighted to have you on Rocket Pod. Thank and as I just me. mentioned, Brett is uh, one of the co-founders of the Natural Deodorant Company um, and has, uh, has an interesting entrepreneurial journey working as a PT and then into entrepreneurship. So I think to kind of f- help frame who you are, Brett, why don't we start with going right back to perhaps your childhood, uh, where you grew up, and if there's anyone that kind of made an impact on you, made an impression on you at a young age, and maybe your first kind of experience into entrepreneurship, can you just kind of go right back and kind of bring us, you know, 50,000 foot view right to where we are today? And uh, yeah, let, let's, uh, let's hear it. Absolutely. So um, yeah, it's a question I've not actually been asked before, sort of where I came from right back to childhood as opposed to starting starting a career but I'll try so I grew up in Essex mm-hmm. and uh, in Billericay in Essex uh, with a fairly normal family of uh, mum dad and sister my mum and dad had their own business which I think was immediately what drove me to wanting to have my own business as well you know, they were pretty successful in their own rights and uh, I think that was what something I, I, I liked about um, having the flexibility to, to do whatever you wanted to do in your own hours and, and really create something for yourself. Um, in addition to that, my grandparents also had their own business as well. So, um, and it was my great grandfather who started that business. So it wow. really does come from a, an entre- entrepreneurial line. So where did I first start as an entrepreneur? Um, I had my first job, typical paper round at 13. So that was really where it started. And I was working right through from 13, 14, 15, 16 until I got, got my first job as a personal trainer. I was a fitness instructor before I was a qualified personal trainer. And uh, yeah, all the way through to here we are, here where we are today. So uh, that's, that's interesting. So, okay, so you had, um, it sounds like, well, you had some great role models within your family, as you mentioned. Did you have some good emotional support uh, with your family? Did your, your family kind of um, support you in your endeavors? Obviously, um, that work ethic was ingrained at quite an early age, hence the paper round at 13. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I did have a lot of emotional support. Yeah, so even with the even with the paper round from day one, it was it was a really long paper round. It was a very long road, lots of big, expensive houses who had, you know, on, on Sundays, they'd have all the big broadsheets. And, you know, at, at 13, that bag was too big for me to carry. So um, <laughs> uh, my mum my and dad definitely helped me on the Sunday mornings to actually get round. So, uh, yes, there was definitely support there. Um, and then prior to the natural deodorant company, I, I had a number of attempts and failures, if you can use the term failure. I suppose we'll talk about that a bit in a moment, but failed attempts at businesses prior to the natural deodorant co, which my mum and dad were fully supportive of and wanted me to try and, and to achieve what I wanted to achieve. Uh, the, the funny thing was actually all of these ideas I had prior to the natural deodorant co that didn't take off, they were very supportive of, and it was it was just about at the point before the Natural Deodorant Co. actually started to to profit and, and turn a corner that, that I think my mum said to me, you know, are you when are you when are you going to give up? <laughs> and um, it was it was that one moment where she said, when are you going to give up? Where I was like, no, actually, this is the one that's worked. <laughs> but it was all the ones that didn't work that she was uh, they were more supportive of. That's really interesting. So yeah, let, let's dive into the 
the companies that you started before that um, that didn't work? Obviously, you were. Sounds like you well, you you're a very driven person, but you're obviously passionate about these these different um, ideas. Um, wh- why didn't they work? Can you kind of give us an idea of um, was there any kind of, did you reach a point where it just wasn't working, or um, what, can you t- talk about what what they what these businesses were? Yeah, no, so the the primary idea there, there was a few ideas toying around with different sort of personal training ideas and methodologies and and ways in which to be different to what the norm might have been. Beyond that, I had an idea of a gym review website. So a lot like TripAdvisor, but for gyms and personal trainers. So most people tell that idea, I think, well, what a great idea. But I I didn't have the execution right. So the idea was there. Had the had the knowledge of the industry and how to how to put this out there. I had a technical partner who was building all the tech, but um, we came about it from completely the wrong angle. So um, we were more uh, consumer focused as opposed to uh, business focused. Though the gyms and the PTs, and I think that just spoke to my my passion to actually do the right thing. It, this was all about empowering the. Um, consumer to to get the right decision when they were choosing a gym or pt so that it was it was the right one for them unfortunately though the consumers aren't where the money comes from in a business like that so uh gyms and pts weren't too looking too favorable upon it um and that ultimately that business didn't work uh, there was another business at the time which focused on uh, monetizing the consumer and they were very similar to us they did have a, a sizable investment so they obviously had that accelerated uh, growth that we didn't have um but they literally we both had a similar idea and they we came at it from one angle they came at it from another angle and, and they succeeded and they're, they're still going today now that was uh or oh, i forget now 10 12 years ago and they're still doing still going strong fantastic so um thank you for for talking about that so yeah you had the two-sided marketplace going on uh yeah so you were doing something amazing for the consumer but again where, where's the money going to come from and you know, and do the PTs and gyms want to sign up? Yeah, it's, it's made, interesting. Just made the wrong the wrong decision yeah. on a good yeah, idea. Enough. It's funny. So um, I can relate a little bit to that um, early on in the Flexi journey. Um, our idea was to put a big pause button on the dashboard to pause subscriptions. And we connect to open banking and we could bring in the Netflix and Spotify's. Um, but actually, we we couldn't, we didn't have the resource or the, we, we couldn't execute on, on the pausing but actually the, the businesses themselves it, it kind of was disrupting that um but it was great for the consumer yeah. um but we we kind of learned a hard lesson and, and spent a lot of money and you know maybe brought a feature in too soon um so learning the hard way and, and realizing actually like i mean similar the the, the businesses are the ones that kind of help pay for this uh Absolutely. so um it, it's a hard it's um it's challenging isn't it so um i'm really intrigued as well about the um you know your your work as your the fitness instructor before these entrepreneurial things happened, um, and obviously you worked closely with uh, with clients as a PT. Uh, what did you learn from that experience? Just being you know because well I'm, I'm only imagining this, but you probably had exposure to quite a, a wide gamut of of people um, from different motivations. And can you talk about that experience and what you learned? Um, and was there any um, clients that you had that stood out to you that may, may perhaps learn from or what what did you learn about human nature um in in that role i know it's quite a, a, quite a big question but um i'm, I'm really interested in in how it that helps shape your mindset 
It's a very good question. So we can come at it from a few different levels. So being um, self-employed and self-sufficient from a very early stage in my career motivated me to to work harder. So the work ethic has never never dropped away in the sense that if I don't do this, nobody else will. And still to this day now, you know, when did I start PTing? 21 years ago. Um, still to this day, that work ethic is going strong and I'm still fueled by coffee and uh, very much uh, working working hard despite where we're at today. Um, also in the in the background of fitness as well, that there's definitely a, it's not always the right thing, but there's definitely an ethic of you get out of it what you put in. So as a business owner, as a PT, it is really, you, you know, put everything into your training and then try and impart that wisdom onto the client that just because you're paying for a personal trainer doesn't mean you're going to get results. You have to actually put the work in. And I think a lot of people don't want to put the effort in, in life. They, they so are going for the easy option again, thinking that if they pay for a personal trainer, then they're going to actually get the results automatically. But you do actually, you have to really, really dig deep and, and work hard. Um, some of my PT clients who had the best success were those people who came to me and said, no, I can't afford to see you once a week, twice a week, three times a week, like some people do, but I can see you once a month. You tell me what you think I should be doing and I will go off and do that program three, four, five times a week on my own. Those were the people who actually had the best results because they, mm-hmm. again, couldn't rely on somebody else to do the work for them or just this illusion of, well, I'm turning up to the gym, to the personal trainer, so surely I'm going to get results. So it was a, it's, it's an interesting thing in terms of mentality and um, that was, uh, yeah, that was quite a, quite a lesson to learn is that people are always looking for a bit of an easier, easier route, an easier option. That's really interesting. So it's, it's funny because um, those folks might not be the high lifetime value clients, potential, or maybe, okay, the high uh, paying clients because they're seeing you once a month. Um, but the results and maybe the word of mouth or the, the success perhaps then feeds back to you. I mean, uh, you know, so <laughs> for, but for a PT, you would want those folks that come in every, every week because obviously that's your bread and butter. Um, but what you're saying is the ones that showed the best results had had to have that internal drive. So do you, you see it. a correlate? Yeah. Okay. So do you see a correlation between, so I think you touched on it, that the, the whole health and fitness piece, you know, you, you mentioned you, you're still working hard. I mean, you know, you look like you're in great shape uh, for those listeners that can't see Brett, uh, you know, and I, I believe you're a family man, so you've got a quite a busy life and you run a business. And two, so th- two children, two stepchildren, it's a busy life. Yeah. Busy household, brilliant. That's it. So the, the link between what you put in the gym and then being able to transfer that energy and that work to your business, do, do you think they're related? You know, do you, do you feel um, if you're on a good track with your personal fitness that has a direct impact with your business and your ideas and your cognitive abilities. On a, you could break it down to two different components there. So on, on a mental level, yes, absolutely. I feel so much better when I'm when I'm working out, when I'm active. The, the clarity of mind when you've started a day doing a workout, and then you know you can feel fresh for the day to to be uh, you know productive in the office or or the warehouse as I am most often. So that's. Yeah, that's key. But on a, on a physical level, you know, I spent my entire childhood and, and 
all the way through actually being active, you know, run, run marathons, run ultra marathons, right. uh, lifting, lifting heavy weights. And to, we, we run this business uh, bootstrapped from the beginning. So I was making all of the products. I was unloading pallets by hand. You know, we couldn't afford a forklift truck. So who's going to unload three or four ton of <laughs> jars? You. So that's, that's me. <laughs> so it's, you know, being able to do that is, has you know, saved us a lot of uh, money, a lot of time, a lot of staffing costs, all those things. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, definitely being physical has enabled us to do that and uh, save along the way. Okay. So just before we move on from the, the fitness thing, so um, these clients that had the best results, um, they showed up, and the, but they, they were able to do the work on their own. Um, so that consistency and that desire to actually put in the work and not rely on other people, um, yeah. maybe get guidance from those people. And I, I think perhaps you could even... I guess any any part of your life, you know, we all need mentors and guides. And um, well, speaking from my own personal experience, you can't do everything on your own. I think um, even if uh, even the most famous authors in the world have, you know, ed- editors, and you know, it's very rare that anyone does anything on their own. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's that consistency piece that it's showing up, uh, and uh, yeah, having the, those that, that consistency piece. Is, is that been a theme in your life and career as well? The definitely, I, I don't. I don't take responsibility for those clients who got good results. That, that's not, and equally, I don't take responsibility for the clients who got bad results either. It's, mm-hmm. you know, the, the proof is in the pudding there that those clients who, who didn't see me as regularly, who then got great results, I, I wasn't there. I was not a pivotal factor in their results just because I wrote them a program that they followed. You know, that was the easy part. They did the work. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty, uh, yeah, pretty telling in itself that you actually got to, uh, you You've got to have the motivation first, so the mindset to actually go forward and do the do the thing that you say you're going to do, and and then follow through and execute it with, like you say, consistency. Um, yeah, we, we all know that. that consistency is huge in every area of life. Um, you can eat well five days a week, and then you go off the rails at the weekend, and you're not going to get those results because you're piling on all those calories that you you, you lost on those first five days. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. consistency is key. That's really interesting. So it, it's it's kind of an interesting segue, isn't it, to the natural deodorant company? So actually, I, I still have the product. So I, I use it. I'm actually so I don't. Sorry, I, actually, I don't stink that bad. I don't think, but I <laughs> I don't I don't actually use deodorant um, every day uh, because I well I I don't believe I smell. Um, but actually, this has been my go-to, and, and I've had it for a, a number of months. So um, this is one of Brett's um, and your business partner Laurie's products. Uh, grapefruit and mint. So um, yes. it's really nice. Um, one, it's of like the, a paste. Uh, one of the lucky ones, if you, you find you don't smell. So uh, I, I, I can't say the same for myself. If I, if I don't wear deodorant, I, I smell very bad. And that was one of the motivations yeah. for starting the company in the first place. It's, it, was, it was a product not to turn into a business. Uh, it was for myself. We made the decision to go, to go organic and green and eco um, on the back of um, on the back of fitness and mm. being in the fitness industry, you know, if, you, if you're thinking about the exercise you do and the movement that you do, that's important. Then you start to think about the food that you're consuming and how effective that is for your health. We then decided, you know, let's concentrate on what we put on our bodies. 
So you know, depending on what literature you read, um, anything you put on your skin is ultimately going to go into your into your body at some point, depending on mm-hmm. depending on the product. And so we, yeah, fairly extreme in nature. If you haven't gathered that already in this conversation, <laughs> we we just decided to cut out all of the products that were chemical based and and supposedly unhealthy for for you. And that was great until we got to deodorants and the natural non-chemical deodorants that were available nine years ago when we were doing this, they, they weren't effective. It was almost like you put the words natural in, put the word natural in front of deodorant and people just had this um, assumption that it's not going to be as effective and you have to then reapply it multiple times a day. And that wasn't good enough for us at the time. I was definitely still personal training full time and to, Every hour after a client, be like, I'm off to the toilet, go and reapply a deodorant. Wow, it's not, really? You have clients do that? No, no, that would be me. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, wow. so I'd, I'd apply whatever natural deodorant I was trying at that time, and it just wouldn't work. It didn't huh. stop me from smelling. So uh, we created our own. It's, uh, it was the, the desire to avoid chemicals was was greater than the desire to uh, go back to an easier option of uh standard commercial deodorant so can we okay so yeah, for those listeners out there um it is an, an excellent product it really is good um i know this is more about brett and his journey um but i think the result after nine years of hard graft you've, you've definitely perfected that so can we talk a little bit about the the harmful chemicals in the mainstream deodorants because i don't really know much about what's in them um, I, I can also say, just share with you that, I mean, I, I've, I have three, three teenage daughters and a wife. Um, and actually in the last, I would say last five years, it's been a gradual progression, but we've literally gone pretty much natural. Um, it's been my wife's driving it actually, as far as our shampoos and, you know, I, I get a shampoo bar from Earthkind and I don't know, there's, um, there's lots of really great products out there. Um, and obviously getting rid of the plastic in the house well it's impossible to do it entirely but even if you can make make a one percent improvement it's better than nothing um so you know as a family we've kind of become more mindful about where we buy our food and you know what we're putting on our bodies um but i am interested in in knowing about some of these these chemicals um uh, can you just kind of talk a little bit about that side and why folks make should consider maybe um whether it's your brand or another natural brand, you know, maybe go a bit more natural. And like you said, anything you put on your skin is going to end up in your body at some point in your blood and in your brain and everything else. Yeah, I, I can talk about it briefly, although I don't want to don't want to go too deep into it because in, in full transparency, um, there is there, there's no proof in these chemicals actually causing harmful effects on the body. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people pushing these, these you know, these um, agendas of natural and green and eco. Mm-hmm. And I think what most of us look at is that the trend in health is that pe- more people are getting more people are getting sick and there's more instances of breast cancer. And if you're putting your deodorant under your arm near to your breast tissue, then that's going to cause uh, cause problems. And people are thinking maybe this is worth changing the products I use and avoiding the chemicals. Mm-hmm. So you're looking at aluminiums and parabens and those kinds of things when you're reading, when you're reading your labels. And 
I'm saying all of this because I don't want to get ourselves in trouble and say, I understand. Commercial deodorants are causing cancer because there is no proof of that. Now, I have no issue in saying that because what we have right now is a natural deodorant that actually works. So back before we created our deodorant and there was no natural deodorants that were doing their job, if you've got on one hand no evidence that the chemicals in commercial deodorants are causing you health problems, but the alternative is a deodorant that doesn't work, you're going to stay with the one that there's no evidence that it's causing you any harmful effects. Mm -hmm. When you then look at companies like ours, uh, deodorants like ours that come into the mix, and we've actually now got an alternative product to the commercial ones that actually works. What most people are now coming to us with, uh, you know, they're on this, similar to yourselves and your family, they're on this uh, tipping point. I think I should probably be changing my habits, whether it's for your health or for the environment and the sustainability things of yeah, packaging. Which, is, which does hold a lot of value, yeah. A holds a massive, holds a lot of weight. People are thinking, well, if it does just a good a job as its commercial counterpart, why wouldn't I make the switch? Mm-hmm. You know, especially you've got teenage children. Why would I be putting this product that might have an issue on their bodies? You know, mm-hmm. let's not forget that. Okay, uh, seventy years ago, people were smoking and didn't know it was bad for them. You know, are we going to find out in another 70 years just because there's no proof now that these commercial deodorants are okay? Are we going to find out in 70 years time that, oh, that thing we were doing back then and putting on our children is a problem? Why not just have this natural option that actually does the uh, does the same job as well? Yeah. Now, I think, OK, now that, that makes a lot of sense. I think um, a lot of it's common sense, um, but it is a, it is personal. Uh, and as I mentioned earlier, you know, if you can make these little choices, even if it's for, you know, better environmental impact, that, that's a really good choice. Um, I, know a lot, I know a lot of the commercial deodorants probably are going, well, hopefully they're going that way too, to help the environment. But if you can use a product that is natural, you know, it's a, it's a little bit obvious. It's, it's like, um, yeah, it's, a, it's interesting, isn't it? It's an interesting conversation. And I think there is, is a shift. There is a shift in in consumers. I think people are a bit more mindful about where they spend their money, and they can do, you know, as consumers. Um, this, you know, you and I are we're, we're consumers. We can um, we can make a difference with our wallets as well. Um, you know, Absolutely. shopping local is something that you know uh, our business Flexi is really championing. Is putting more household spend with independent British businesses, and actually, the natural deodorant company would would fit in that category where. You know, if you can really help the little guy, um, you know, more of, I think between 50 and 70p of those pounds that you spend on an independent British business will stay in that local community where that business is from versus 5p with some of the big blockbuster retailers. Um, yeah. So, and, I, and I'm sure there's, you know, I mean, that's just my own, for my own research. Um, so we can do good. Um, okay, that's interesting. So um, as far as the... You mentioned that you were making this yourself <laughs> as well as shifting around the boxes. Um, it sounds like you got very, I mean, when you actually do something, you know, you're, you're very up and personal in, into the products and really understanding what, you know, um, and perfecting the, the ingredients. Um, can you talk a bit about the journey of perfecting 
you know, what what did it look like when you first, you know, what what improvements have you made? I'm sure you've made lots, hundreds of thousands, yeah. but um, is there any examples of how the product was? And then you made, you know, you you obviously learned from your your customers and and um, and then perfected it. Yeah, absolutely. So we had uh, we had one product, one fragrance when we first started, and that was what we had originally created just at home for ourselves to use when we were on this green journey and changing over from commercial to, to natural and organic. And we had this one product and we liked it and we thought, well, this is great. So we started using it and then ultimately turned it into a, a product that was sellable. It was only then once we actually started selling it that people would come back to us and say, oh, I don't like this about it. Or, you know, then the seasons changed and being a natural ingredient, natural based product, uh, the weather would change, so the oils would uh, they, they might they might have melted and separated. So then we thought, well, how do we how do we fix that? We need to go back in the kitchen and create different versions of different percentages of different ingredients and try to work out what what worked. Um, then you know you'd find some people with this ingredient. Some people don't don't do very well with that ingredient. What if we create another version without that ingredient? And does it still deodorize? Does it then still hold firm in the right temperatures in all different seasons? So that's a, it was a lot of trial and error. Um, Laurie, my business partner, she uh, comes from a background in beauty. So she definitely had a few bits of input in, in that regard. And uh, as a team, you know, I've got a very analytical brain and looking at the numbers and the percentages, She's got a different brain that comes to it from a more creative perspective, and mm-hmm. and it's uh, sort of pretty much worked as a as a business partnering from there. Um, now, in terms of the product range, we've we've got uh, three different formulas. So, based on what we've found from our customers over the years, you've got the clean deodorant balm, which is your everyday balm, which is you know one that we we perfected that we start everybody at. The gentle deodorant cream is that one that's missing that ingredient that uh, some people don't like. And the active deodorant balm for people who live those really active, sporty lifestyles. So it really okay. got something something for everyone in there. Uh, but okay. it's 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 a it's a challenge when um, you know you've got so many people that you want to try and cater for. And I think we've done that. I think this would be a good segue to introduce our sponsor, Flexi. I'd like to take a moment uh, to introduce you to our amazing sponsor, Flexi. These days, we have multiple subscriptions from streaming services to gift boxes and much more. Discover Flexi's unique subscription marketplace sourced from independent British brands, from organic beauty products, cocktail kits, and responsibly sourced coffee to plant-based meals, gift boxes, and much more. Whatever your passion, look forward to a regular box of joy delivered straight to your door. All easy to pause, cancel, or resume in a tap or two from one single dashboard. So give Flexi a try. It's free to download from the App Store or head over to www flexiapp.uk that's f-l-e-x-y-a-p-p.uk now back to our guest i guess it's knowing your customer base isn't it you can't please everybody but you know who is your in fact who is your perfect customer do you know for your product if you were to describe i know you have probably you just described um, three different um, products um what's your for your most popular product um can you describe that person it's yeah it's I, I'd love for everybody to use the product. It's one of those things, again, being really <laughs> yeah, passionate. So. You go back to the days of the gym <laughs> review website. I wanted everyone to love love fitness. I wanted everyone to love the gym. And, you know, that one didn't go quite to plan. I think still only about 10% of people actually use the gym, despite my efforts. Um, <laughs> I, I would love for everybody to use our products. And quite frankly, most people 
would uh, enjoy our products and would also find uh, find that they work for them as a deodorant. Mm-hmm. However, in practice, uh, the majority of our customers are probably 25 years old to 40 year old females, mm-hmm. okay. um, more by chance than design. I think um, it's entirely possible that again, Laurie, my business partner, she uh, does the majority of the marketing. So um, possibly speaking to her to herself or an audience like her. So um, yeah, that that is generally who is buying our products. But we are uh, you know, used by used by men, used by older people, used in all the different countries all over the world. So um, it can be used for everybody. How many countries are you in right now? Can you talk about that? I, I couldn't tell you the number, um, but we're everywhere from a lot. <laughs> Cayman Islands to Thailand, Bahrain, Reunion, all over Europe. Yeah, everywhere. Great. So what's next then? Um, where, where do you see um, the Nettle Deodorant Company in, say, three years? We, we want to get a presence in more more different countries, um, actually, to get some boots on the ground in these different countries as well. And what really sparked that, I think, was Brexit. It was uh, quite a quite a challenge for us, but one of the biggest challenges yet was Brexit, in that literally hitting uh, January first and um, losing twenty percent of our business overnight, oh, where we just wow. couldn't get any couldn't get anything sent into Europe without it being sent back and a lot of expense. Oh. Since oh. then, and this is that's a there's no no poor me there. It's a pretty standard um, thing for most small e-commerce businesses, and um, but since then we've overcome those challenges and finding great ways to get into different all the different countries throughout Europe and uh, it's sort of opened our eyes up to think you know actually there's there's some great retail uh, distribution partners that we've, we've made already in Europe we'd love mm-hmm. to do that all over the world and you know it's people who are passionate about our products uh, that, that we already sell to and we'd love to get them on board as part of a wider team to be in, be in different places that's really really good so um you you touched on um Laurie, your business partner being um, in the beauty side, you're in the numbers. So you're as far as the execution operations. So that it sounds like you're you're very you have very complementary skills. Um, yes. Can you talk about maybe how you kind of came to together as business partners and um, and I guess the, the 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 product piece and the execution piece is that yeah? Can you talk about that dynamic just for those? Um, listeners out there that are seeking a business partner and um, you know what to look for what what works what doesn't um, any any insights into how you uh, divide and conquer um, as you kind of build um, the natural sure. company well we were actually husband and wife okay. at the time and uh, we, we've now been uh, <laughs> we've now been apart for about six years so uh, a lot longer than the business was uh, uh, sorry about, about two-thirds of the time the business has been running we, we've actually been apart um, okay. As the business, uh, when we did separate, the, we were still working together at that time with this division of labour in terms of, you know, creative and operations. And uh, from then, we, you know, we both knew that this business, we had two children together as well. We knew that the business was something that we wanted to continue doing. Uh, the growth mm. at the time was, you know, very, very good year on year. And we thought this would be mad for us to uh, to step, either one of us to step away from. We, we're still good good friends and separated amicably so uh, it was it was a worthwhile thing to dig deep and find a way to work with your ex-spouse and um, while it has of course had its challenges as uh, I'm sure anybody says so do 
business partnerships where people are just friends or, or mm-hmm. come together from un, uh, other circumstances. So uh, for us, it's it's strange, but uh, I suppose all, all relationships can be in their own way. Um, how we created the Division of Labour, it, it really just sort of happened naturally into what our skills were. Um, although as, as, as such a small team, the crossover is huge. So mm-hmm. while Laurie is more creative and marketing, I absolutely step into that build at times and then when we've got an operations question uh, I'm not sure how to overcome that I will pull her in for a different uh, perspective on it so it it works and complements one another really well that's interesting well so um well to make that work that's pretty um it's pretty impressive I mean you know obviously every every set of relationships is different and they're complex um, but clearly, you you know you complement one another on on building the business and the diff- different skill sets. But like you said, there is some overlap as well. That's unusual. Yeah. That was I wasn't expecting that answer, but <laughs> I appreciate your honesty. And I mean, it is what it is, right? So yeah, um, I'm very, and I'm you very, build, I'm very building a great of, business. Yeah, I'm very proud of the business. Very proud of the way we've done it as well. So uh, yeah, it's um, it's a great great thing to be able to do. And I think also on another level for our children to be able to see us continue to work together. I think that's good for them to uh, see that even though relationships and marriages don't always work out, that um, friendships can, can remain and, and amica- amicability, yeah. if that's the right yeah. word, amicability really can, can exist. I, I was just thinking, actually, uh, as far as yeah, the, the role model to your, your children, um, and as a parent myself, you know, I think um, the actions you, you make, you know, they're, they're watching, aren't they? Your kids are watching yeah. and they, they're learning and, you know, you've got a, a family business um, potentially that you know whether they're be involved in the future or not who knows but um it's yeah. kind of nice to to um send that message that if you start something and, and it's working then um yeah just keep it keep it going uh, it's that consistency Absolutely. piece isn't it it's like not giving up and making it work um and let's face it <laughs> a, lot, a lot of business partners um it is like being married in some in some ways of course you know um without the physical stuff but it's uh you know um I, I once um, broke up with my business partner in the US and it was like, it was literally like getting divorced. It was, it was mm. horrendous, awful, terrible. Like it just, but it, of course we weren't married, but it felt like it sometimes. I can um, imagine. Yeah. Excellent. So um, I don't know how we do with time. So we, okay, we've got a bit of time. So if you were to meet someone for coffee, um, any, anyone in the world for coffee, who, who would that be? Um, any, any ideas on that one? Oh, wow. That's a big one. Um, I, I'd probably at this point have to pick the brains of, of, a, of a big, big business person and, and get the perspective on how to go from that, from where we are today, sort of small to medium sized business to take that next leap. Um, it's you know something every, every day in this business for us is new. We don't have the, uh, don't have the experience behind us of doing another business similar that we can then call upon so uh, to get the wisdom of somebody else um I'm a big fan of of disney company so uh probably the former ceo bob bob Iger is a mm-hmm. good role model there in that regard he uh took the company from quite a dark time to uh to where they are mm-hmm. yeah that's a, that's a phenomenal company isn't it I've, i think i've got one of his books actually i i um i got into it but uh, maybe i'll pick it up again yeah, yeah the, the customer service yeah the customer service piece every every touch point um and then it, just your passion about the consumer and you know what's good for the consumer have you been to disney have you taken your kids to disney 
We have been, yes. We're actually going again in uh, two weeks, and uh, okay. yeah, going to I'm going going to get get married for the second time. So uh, oh, congratulations! So, yeah, wow, we are going going back again. Oh, fantastic! Yeah, we've we've um, we've been a few times, and it is uh, you know we took we've taken our kids all around the world, and whenever we ask what their favorite place was, it's always Disney. It's like what we've been to, you know, Thailand and yeah. places. No, no, they do an amazing job. You know, for when you drive into the car park. Um, yeah, the Americans definitely know how to treat people, don't they? Definitely. That's interesting. Um, any books that you've read that have had in the last five years that have had um, an extraordinary impact or an impact on you uh, that you could recommend? Um, they could be non-fiction or fiction. Uh, yeah. Um, you much of a reader? I, I, I was, but uh, I've sort of fallen out of it for a little bit Ten of time. Ten years? <laughs> <laughs> I too, I, I, there's one that's popped into my mind, and I don't know if it's uh, if it's even relevant to this discussion. But um, I, I read a book called *The Good Father*. I forget the author's okay. name. Okay. It was, a, it was a fiction book, and he uh, story was spoiler alert. The story was the uh, this this guy's son fell in with a different crowd, and he he went off to shoot and I, I think killed the president, and um, he was then being held and detained and the dad took it upon himself to uh, to get him off the the charges um, mm-hmm. to say couldn't possibly have been my son I raised him so well and all this stuff and um, I think I, I took I took some lessons from that and but as, as good as you think you are at something there's so many things outside of your control certainly with parenting but I guess that extends to to business as well is that you can do your best job and then you know there's a perfectionist control freak that I am actually sometimes I've got to step back and say actually no there's there's factors outside of this that are are outside of my control mm-hmm. so yeah knowing that distinction okay that's interesting that that is so interesting because um just just even being able to mentally make that separation you know what you can control what you can't yeah and and focusing on you know the things that you can control you know it's worth you know, controlling those to the best of your ability. Um, but yeah, yeah, but 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 realizing that some things you can't control, and and when it comes to stress, um, like building a business is, let's face it, it's um it's very time consuming, and it it does occupy a lot of um a lot of your energy and and being. But um, just realizing, yeah, the things that aren't in your control to not try not to stress about it. It's hard. It's easy to yeah. done, isn't it? It's it's okay, easy to done. It's it's one thing in, in the business, it's one thing that it, it's sort of, most people can wrap their heads around it. Yeah, you're right. You can't control, you can't control the markets and you can't control Brexit and COVID and you can't control mm-hmm. your customers and uh, war in Ukraine. You could, there's all of those things that people can get their head around that. But when it comes then to saying you can't control your children, at some point, mm-hmm. at some point, all of the work you've done, I'm sure you've got this with teenagers as well, is that when they're, when they're much younger, you, you do have control over them. I'm sure mm-hmm. a lot of people won't like the word control, but you do. And but then you get to an age and uh, you realise actually that they, they, could do, they could do anything they wanted. I'd really have no control over them whatsoever. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, that's, uh, that's a tough pill to swallow. Yeah. And it's also understanding that actually, I think a parent's job as well is to, obviously you've got to keep the, your kids alive, healthy, safe, as well as kind of bringing raising your children, you've also got to let them go as well. And that, and they have to make their own mistakes. And actually yeah. you meet people, you know, on the journey of life where they've 
folks have kind of held on to their kids too long and then the kids don't grow and then they've become dependent on the parent even into their you know adulthood um but it is it is tough well i don't know my kids there's been some pretty crazy mistakes but you know but they've they've learned from it um but as a parent it's hard to watch your kids fail or make mistakes or make really really poor decisions um but it, yeah it's um it's a fun part of life isn't it it's just we have to you have to learn <laughs> i'm i'm rambling now <laughs> just uh just thinking about <laughs> my kids uh, no so many people can relate though and i, th- I yeah, don't think a lot of brilliant. people always don't think a lot of people always admit it you know you see people talking about how you know their kids are great and my kids are great but then there's challenging times as well yeah of course it's family right yeah it's uh it's crazy um is there any any topic that you're particularly interested in discussing or bringing up that um you, you wanted to talk about oh good question um where, where do we start Oh, I can't think of anything off the top of my head that we've we've covered. We've covered my childhood right through to, to divorce and business and children and fitness. Um, I've got one for you. Go on. Um, is there a is there a habit that that you've picked up um, in the last number of years that um, has really kind of made a big difference to your life? Um, and obviously, I'm thinking it could be well hopefully a positive habit um i don't so much a habit but i definitely in the last few years tried to put perspective into that work-life balance and i know it's really cliche but i didn't have it uh previously three or four years ago it was a lot of work and um yeah a lot of work and a lot of um hours spent away from children and family and things like that and friends and really just driving everything into the business which on one hand I look back on and think well you know I've managed to grow what we've got because of that and it may not have happened if we hadn't but uh, then yeah perspective shift a few years back and managed to start to get a life back in addition Mm -hmm. to work so Mm -hmm. uh, yeah that's that's the best thing and I still need a reminder on it every now and then and leave my phone in the other room when it's still buzzing away with emails at 10 o'clock at night Um, Mm -hmm. yeah that's that's the hardest thing but mm. okay. I'd, I'd say that I'd say that's the the biggest positive change that, that's come come from uh, yeah the last three or four years. So do you think part of that is actually being aware as well of um, because I think um, just even speaking from my own personal experience, you know what what we do um, ha- well, there's always cost, right? So there's a cost to starting a business. It takes a lot out of you. Sure. Um, and, you know, it sounds like in your experience, you know, some of your, you know, your kids, your loved ones, your friends, you know, you weren't there, but you were working. So, you know, there is that cost piece. But as far as the awareness helped you change your, well, actually give more time for yourself. So you're talking about investing in yourself, investing in your friends, investing in your family. There's a time Absolutely. thing. Yes, precisely. Yeah, and it just, um, yeah, I think, you know, I grew the business thinking I was doing it for for my family, which I, I definitely was. But it was, uh, you know, it was very good. Um, felt very proud of what I was creating and, you know, didn't really always think about the effect that, that would have been stepping away from, from the children, for example. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's been, been a good good decision to turn that around a little bit and get some more balance. And do you feel that you're... Um as productive or as um i mean do you think it's actually helped your work in, in well, actually could, striking more balance or do you feel that your businesses have suffered as a result 
No, I don't think it suffered. I could certainly do with a few more hours in the day, but but that's uh, everybody, isn't it? I think, yeah, it's given me more clarity. It is nice to have that separation and to step back and say, actually, no, this is this is time off work. Uh, and then you, you you come back to Monday morning feeling a bit more rejuvenated as opposed to previously. I'd been working Saturday and Sunday and then Monday comes around, you've got heart palpitations and you think, God, I've got to do this again. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah def- definitely a positive thing for the business certainly in the long run as uh as there's no uh no one can do it seven days a week for forever yeah it's just not sustainable is it it's not, we, no, wheels it's are going to fall off at some point and it's just um so, when it's great that you, uh, yeah that's interesting well you know i can relate on so many levels but that's yeah. another conversation um that's interesting so um for our listeners out there and actually bearing in mind that a lot of our listeners are actually 60 percent of our listeners are female between yep. 18 and 30 so similar kind of i guess it's quite a good demographic yeah, actually for your products um a lot of them yeah i think we do have quite a yeah there are quite a lot of entrepreneurs like young budding entrepreneurs following us um is there any advice that you would just based on your experience um any advice that you would give our listeners um just from your own experiences to kind of leave them with yeah I'd probably start from day one really thinking about what what life in general means to you and what success means to you because you, you go I certainly went in blinker thinking success was a business that was growing and x amount of pounds and sales and and I achieved all of that but then at the cost that you just mentioned so you know going into it from day one with that uh, holistic view of you know, yes, business success or life success, career success, even if, if you're not an entrepreneur, but you've just got to, you know, have, have a day job. That's important. But then also, you know, what does what does your social life look like? What does what do your relationships look like? What does your health and fitness look like? And actually thinking about all of those things and trying not to let any one of those things slip as you as you push forward. And then once you, you've got that and you're sort of you're aware of what your sort of minimum benchmark is in all of those things, you know, if you've got loved ones, if you're in a relationship, have a have frank conversations and say, you know, I've got this idea, I've got this business, I'm going to go full charge into it. How can we still remain, you know, meeting each other's needs as a relationship? You know, what is your minimum fitness requirement? Is it is it daily? Is it every other day? And and hit those minimum benchmarks first um before you put everything into your business and lose everything else as a as a result but then once you've got those benchmarks then work as hard as you can because uh a person who's working harder than you next year is will will, will overtake you Mm. that's really interesting i really like that the minimum benchmark yep it's so that's really good i can yeah that's really good that's excellent advice and on the heart as well yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I'm speaking from experience. Absolutely, that's that's not a that's not a textbook. That's uh, <laughs> yeah. There's painful things in there. That's uh, things that have changed, friends that I've lost, and um, I wish I could go back. But um, we move forward. We're learning yeah. from it. You have to, don't you? You have to. Yeah, you do. Absolutely. Um, so, for those folks that um, are interested in finding out about you, how do they find you? How do they find your product? Yeah, is there anything, any um, yeah, Insta handles or websites or anything? Where, where do you want to direct people? Uh, people can go to our website, naturaldeoco.com. That's natural, D-E-O-C-O.com. 
Uh, we're Natural Do Co on Instagram. It's probably the best place to follow us. Uh, if you go to the website, you can uh, get ten percent off as well. And uh, yeah, let us know what you think. So, well, it'd be really nice to maybe catch up with you in a few years um, and Absolutely. see if, uh, well, I'm sure you'll have conquered the world by then, and and hopefully still have that uh, that wonderful, well, that life balance and and focus on fitness and and everything else. I hope so. Um, but no, it's been um, it's been really nice chatting to you this morning. Uh, and yeah, really interesting uh, journey you've been on. And yeah, congratulations on your recent success navigating Brexit and COVID and and Thank getting you. into these the new, new markets. And uh, and you know you've got your your sights set on you know uh, bigger things in the future. So it's really great. It's been wonderful chatting to you, Brett. And you. Thank you very much for having me over. Excellent. Brilliant. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Rocket Pod. When you get a moment, uh, we'd love it if you could jump over to Spotify and Apple Podcasts to leave a quick review. We love all your messages. It helps us get exposure to inspire and share more stories like this one with Brett today. And of course, thank you to our incredible sponsor, Flexi, uh, the single destination for independent British brands. You can uh, put more of your household spend into local communities where these brands are based. A couple of uh, really key key insights today speaking to Brett. One I really loved um, just from his own experience as far as work-life balance was to, before you embark on your entrepreneurial journey, if you are a budding entrepreneur, set your minimum benchmarks for fitness, for time with your family and friends, and do those first before you throw your full energy into your business. Because as we discussed today, you know, these decisions to start businesses or, or any pursuit, they come at a cost. And it's just really um, figure out what kind of lifestyle you want to lead before you embark on, on something that's going to consume all your time and energy. So that was really good advice. Have an amazing week ahead and we'll see you next time. Take care.